Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. So what does it mean to get real? What would be the opposite of getting real? Getting fake. How many of you know fake when you see it? Uh, Just keep your mouth shut. We're not pointing fingers because we've all been there. We've all been there, right? How many of you ever been fake? Right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, look at your nasty weave. You know, like, right? <laughs> anyway, it's not just being funny. It's not disrespectful. It's not. Anyway, fake though. We've all been fake at some point, right? Come on, raise your hand if you've ever done, like, totally been fake. Raise your parents. Oh, that's an easy one. 100%, right? Like, yeah, Bob, I totally took out the trash. Well, what's this? We're just not good at being fake sometimes, right? So, and the story, right? Yeah, she was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm a standard. Yeah, how that worked out. Anyway, that was a funny story. I can't believe we told that story at church, but it was not scripted. Okay, so, um, we're talking about getting real all month long, and we've been talking about this whole superhero reality that's actually in you, because the Holy Spirit's upon you. Anyway, this, the Holy Spirit is upon you, and a promise in Acts when Jesus left is he said to his disciples, right, when the Holy, not if, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive silence from power from on high, right? How many of you have received power from on high? Really? Okay, so we got to pray for Holy Spirit to come upon everybody, right? That's okay. That's what we're here for. Ready? Put your hands out. Holy Spirit, come into this room. Come upon us and release your power. In Jesus' name, amen. You can pray that every night when you go to bed. You know that? And every morning when you wake up, and every time you're riding the bus, be like, Holy Spirit, come upon me and give me power today. How many of you would love superpowers every day? Duh. But, huh, it's interesting, because if Superman never went into the phone booth, he would never access his superpowers. So he has to, when something goes wrong, he has to desperately find a phone booth, right? He's got to step in and access what's already in him. He can't just take off his suit and his glasses and suddenly become Superman. It's like he's got to find the spot, right? He's got to, like, boom, he's got to press in for it, right? I'm talking about the old Superman. Don't give me the new crap because that's all fake. Anyway. <gasps> what? The old one is so realistic. Tell you what. Anyway, he would always go into a phone booth to change. It was awesome. And, like, two seconds later, he's like, poof, out. Camera tricks in the 1960s. I don't know. Anyway, do you follow what I'm saying though? It's kind of like, oh yeah, God, go ahead and give me power and you'll be all good. No, but my fifth grade teacher made us watch the old Supermans in fifth grade. Yeah, I know, right? It was like, sweet, free time. I didn't care, didn't have to do work. It was perfect, right? Mr. Ricks, dude, he is the one teacher in my entire growing up career that I look back and remember what? My whole career of school. You are in a career at school. Don't don't degrade it. Don't whatever. (laughs) What? 
it is an excellent career because it preps you for all kinds of stuff. Get over yourself. You're not that ready to take on the world, so go to school. Got it? <laughs> I'm not even ready to take on the whole world, so I keep learning. I graduated. I got a college degree, and I'm still not done. All right? Anyway, so here's the deal. I want to hear from you tonight some examples of great things God has done around you or for you or something that you know of God's done. A family. What else? How many of you have a family? There you go. Good. What else? What else has God done? Yeah. Right there, right there. Talents? Yes. Possible to live here where? In your house, right? Which is in Pennsylvania, which is in America, which is in the world, right? Nathaniel, Jill, what's God done? Somebody. Yeah, right? Grace. Awesome. You. I owe you. If I had money, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, protected you. Do you realize how dangerous it is? Danger, dangerous it is to get into an automobile. It's like fifty times more dangerous to fly in an airplane than we do it every single day. Oh, absolutely! Like I'm in an airplane, what what is there to hit? Right? Cars get in accidents like fifty times a day just in Harrisburg. Ah, whatever. It's probably fake. But yeah, airplanes crash too. But whatever. At least it's quick. Anyway, Kevin, what else have people got done? Your dad was in an accident today and he was okay. You're not dead already. How many of you are not dead already? What? Praise Jesus. Everybody jump up and down in your seat. Woo, right? God is good. Do you see what this looks like when you begin to recognize who it is that God is and what he's actually done for you? Because I, 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 I don't laugh at, but I kind of go like, you've got to be kidding me. If the people that make the excuse, if there was a God, or if there is a God, why do so, so many bad things happen? Have you ever heard that? Right? And I, to that answer, I would say, and it's not an easy, simple, like, oh, that's stupid. But it is a reality that says, what, how bad would it be if there wasn't a God? It would be so much worse. And the reality is the bad stuff that happens around us is not because of God, it's because of our sin. As a general, not my specific, like I didn't like lie to my mom and then she got hit by a car and it's all my fault. Like, no, it's not, God doesn't operate like that. Does that make sense? Please understand that God doesn't like pay evil for evil. But the, real, the reality of sin existing in our world today is the reason that crap happens. But God's on the move to bring everything back into perfect order before him. And guess what? You're part of his plan. And God is every single day, through every single thing you face, preparing you to receive a blessing. How many of you like the idea of a blessing? How many of you have no idea what a blessing is? Okay, good. Right. Everybody's like, yeah, I want to be blessed. How many of you want to be cursed? Anybody like the opposite? Like, no, don't bless me. I want curses. Curses, curses. Yet we watch all these shows that are like, oh, that was awesome. 
care of something like that. Yeah, look at We like to entertain the devil. We're like, oh, that's really great. We're going to go to the devil and get cursed that time. I know it sounds ridiculous, but come on. How many shows? Like, anyway. But I have to admit, okay, I'm not like standing here like perfect preacher, like, like once upon a time, anybody watch that show? So addicting. Anyway, moving on. It's getting boring now. We quit this season. We're just like, it's just, uh, for the first two, three seasons. Anyway, first season. Yeah. But you know, guard your heart on what you put in. Does that make sense? So here's the deal. God has done a lot of great things. Everybody agree to that? You're all alive. We'll start with just that one right there, okay? And I want to just submit to you that I am in some form a leader in your life. Some of you might not like me. I don't care. I love you still a lot. Okay? And if you just come tell me you hate me, I'll tell you how much I love you, and we'll get over it. Okay? Good? But here's the deal. I am some kind of a leader in your life. Youth pastor, right? One of your youth pastors, one of your people that speaks into your life. And I want to just say, like, you guys are my little a flock, if you will, a sheep. Very brilliant sheep. Very brilliant sheep. Okay, but here's the deal. I want to just draw a little comparison because there's this dude in the Bible that I want to read a little section of about who did kind of like what I do with you guys. He was in charge of a group of people. Okay, when we go to the beach trip, I'm in charge. If you die in the ocean, I have to answer for that. Does that make sense? Follow? It's not going to happen. Kidding me? Anyway, but there's this dude in the Old Testament that had a very similar position, but he had a lot more people under his care than I do, okay? His name was Joshua. You guys know that name at all? Tell me about Joshua, somebody. He did defeat Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You know that, that JTL song, right? Woo-hoo, right? And walls came tumbling down, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Who else? What was he? What, what, what? I said he was a leader of a group of people. Who? No. Okay, you want to go sit with mom? Okay, you got it. All right, who was he in charge of? The Israelites. Who were? God's people, right? God's chosen people, and Joshua was in charge of leading them. Who did he take over for? Moses, right? Moses was the dude who took the Israelites out of Egypt, right? They were slaves. You saw Prince of Egypt or other movies like it, right? Get out of Egypt, and they cross the Red Sea, the chariots get, it's awesome, right? And they cross over, and where were they headed when Moses took them out of Egypt? To the, what do they call it? Promised land, right? So Moses is taking them, and he had a buddy named Caleb, who was kind of his, like, buddy partner guy. And then Joshua kind of came up under, and because of Israel's way of living, and I just, it baffles my mind. Have you guys ever thought of this? All the things that the Israelites saw God do, getting them out of Egypt, would you ever defy God again if you saw all of those things? I just think that all the time. I'm like, just be blind. Because they, first of all, like they're in Egypt and they're slaves and Moses comes and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, forget it. And Moses says, okay, 10 plagues are coming. Right? And there's like the river turns to blood and there's locusts and there's frogs that literally take over. Like there is no ground. There's just frogs and there's like, Ten plagues that have all these things, grasshoppers and whatever else, what are the other ones? Boils all over the people's bodies, you know, if you ever have blister, try that over your entire body. Yeah, boils all over your body, that would be fun. You kind of like, 
my gosh, God has got power, right? Oh, that's right, I forgot that detail. The Egyptians thought frogs were like a deity, they thought they were gods. So when all the frogs invaded, they couldn't kill them. So they just kept going, because they thought they were gods. Anyway, so the Egyptians were stupid too. Anyway, but all this stuff happens, and finally the angel of death comes and wipes out the firstborn of every family that wasn't, that didn't have the doorpost marked with the blood of the lamb. I love that picture that God paints in the Old Testament thousands of years before Jesus shows up on the scene. The blood of the lamb that saved Israel from death. Jesus on the cross, the blood of the lamb, the lamb of God, saved us for eternity. It was all pointing to Jesus, okay? Anyway, so that all happens, right? They finally get out of Egypt because Pharaoh's like, forget this, get out of here, you guys are nuts, right? Pharaoh sends them out, they go away, right? And they're marching, there's like a million of them, a lot of people moving across the desert. And all of a sudden they look back and the chariots are coming. Because Pharaoh changed his mind. He's like, wait a second, our workforce just left. That means we have to do things. Seriously, he's like, oh, crap, I screwed up. You know the story, right? The Red Sea splits in half. They walk through the Red Sea, like poked whales in the face. Like, can you picture that? It's a wall of water. I know, we're kind of like, ooh, it's probably like this big. No, we're talking like at least as high as the ceiling they're walking through, probably higher than that. Walls, straight up, and they're walking on dry ground, like... You know, like, you ever been to an aquarium? Like, it's that kind of thing without glass. But you don't get wet, right? And how do we know it was deep? Because after Israel passed through, the chariots came after them, and God went, and all the chariots died. If the water was this deep, it would have been like, oh, darn, got my shirt wet. Like, no, it would not have wiped them out, right? So there's all this stuff, but Israel Israelites saw all this stuff. And then they get led by a pillar of fire during the night and a pillar of cloud during the day that just shows up like a tornado. And they're like, I guess we'll go that way. Like, that's like crazy, right? Anyway, so they do all this, and yet, the very reason Moses didn't get to take the Israelites into the promised land, do you know why? Do you know why? What? Why didn't Moses get to take the Israelites into the promised land? That was God's promised land for Moses to take them into. What? That was even later. But they were like, if you look at a map where they left Egypt and where they crossed over to where the promised land was Israel, it's literally like a one-week walk. Does anyone know how long they were in the wilderness? Forty years. GPS would have been helpful, right? Like, do you think this, why is it that Moses couldn't make a one-week journey across the desert and walk his people into the land that was promised to them? Anybody know? What? Partly? What? No, well, there were some disobedience there. The general deal was, starts with a D, ends with disobedience, Disobedience. Israel, after all that they saw, there's all the, there's the occurrence. Moses goes up onto the mount to get the whole the tablets and the Ten Commandments and the whole deal, right? He comes back down, and what did the people do? They took all their jewelry, melted it down, and built a golden calf, and they're all worshiping it when Moses gets back. And Moses is like, did you not forget what happened at the Red Sea? God, powerful, 
They totally were just like, eh, whatever. Why did God? And then they were given manna, and they started grumbling and complaining, and they lived their lives whining and complaining to God about why he drug them out into the desert like this. And God says, really, I had a good plan, but your stubborn little hearts have caused you to loot the desert and loot the desert. And it was some of disobedience even by Moses where God said, you know what? You will not even enter the promised land yourself because of disobedience about disobedience about disobedience, not standing in this place. So then we got Joshua comes on the scene after Moses, and he actually does get to take his people into the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 24, there's this whole thing right here where Joshua stands before the Israelites, well, the leaders of the Israelites, basically gives them a message because they didn't have like live, like live streaming back then yet. It was close, but not really. So he got all the leaders of Israel together and he said, here's what's going on. I want you to go get this message to all the people. And this is what he had to say. And this isn't a message. He basically is giving a testimony of God's goodness. So you guys all gave a testimony of God's goodness when I asked you what God's done, right? Testimony. It says right here, you then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. We covered that. The Jericho leaders ganged up on you as well as the Amorites, Perizzites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gerish, Gergashites, they're very funny names, Hivitites, and the Jebusites, but I turned them all over to you. So God is saying to them through Joshua, I did all of this. All of them ganged up on you, and I delivered them in your hand. He's reviewing the things that he'd done, right? I sent the hornet ahead of you. It drove out two Amorite kings that, um, who did, drove out the two Amorite kings, did your work for you. You didn't have to do a thing, not so much as raise a finger. I handed you a land for which you did not work, towns you did not build, and here you are now living in them and eating from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Let's bring this to your life. Okay? How many of you said, I have a home to live in? God did that. How many of you built it? How many of you paid for it? How many of you even helped build it? How many of you know who built it? Some of you, right? Okay, maybe. But how many of you live in America? How many of you personally know any of the pilgrims that came here? No, you don't. So you're living in a land that you did not conquer. You're eating from vineyards that you didn't plant. You're living in houses you didn't build. You're living in the blessing of God. This is what Caleb is reminding them. I've walked you through the battles. I've walked you through all of this. I brought you into the promised land into a place where you didn't have to lift a finger. How many of you know that's your life all summed up? It starts to change perspective for you a little bit. Doesn't it? And you're kind of like, holy crap, I just kind of got all of this for free. Somebody paid a price for it, right? Somebody did. So here we go. We're going to move on. And so now it says, fear God. Worship him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river. And in Egypt, you worship God. This is a command. Straight up. Caleb is like, I'm leading you. Here's the call. Here's the charge. You're living in a land that you got for free, promised to you by God. It's time to give up the idols and the things of worship from the land you came from before. The parallels about everything and everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus, points to the New Testament, right? Jesus provided a way for us to be with God, to live freely with God in heaven, live in a mansion and the whole deal, golden streets, all that cool stuff. 
and all we have to do, right, is worship God. And he's calling the Israelites to a place to put away the idols that are in your land. Chuck them. Get rid of them. And the ones that your parents worship. How many of you know some of your parents have messed up situations and histories in life and made mistakes? Anybody? None of your parents are perfect. I'm sorry to break it to you. Right? I know you guys all are like, I know that. They don't know. But, all right? Right? Your parents have things that they've had to wrestle through. Sin and addictions and different things that have had to go just like you. I know your parents don't relate at all. They do not understand you. But guess what? It was a different time and it was different stuff, but it was still 14, 13, 12 years old that they lived through and dealt with the crap, the pressures, the peer pressure, the image stuff, what is necessary, having a lot or not having a lot, having family stuff going on and divorce and all this crap, right? Your parents dealt through that and have their own things that they even grew up with and maybe even brought into your family. Some of you have pretty great families now. Some of you have really struggling families now. Either way, this call right here is to say, is to take all the things that were worshiped that aren't God, any ungodly idols, things that have been worshiped by previous generations and by the people of today. Give me an idol of today that people worship. Oh, good. Ding, 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 ding. Phones, yes? What else? Anybody's got nothing else? Like, that's it. That's on the phone. It's pretty much, yeah. Internet in general, what? Facebook. Video games? Maybe food. America. Like, oh my gosh, there's more buffets per capita in America than cows in China or something. I don't know. I just made that up. Okay. Do you follow this? We worship. There are idols in our culture today. They might not be golden calves. We went to Benihana a couple weeks ago, and there was like a Buddha sitting on the table, you know. And my six-year-old Carter goes, what's that, Dad? I said, that's a false god. I was like, I'm not going to make some dumb story. I'm just going to tell them the truth. I said, people worship that. And he goes, <laughs> he was like, Can you see? I was like, yeah. And people see it. And I don't want to, like, I'm not, like, running people down for that or whatever it might be, but there are people who legitimately worship that little golden statue. There are billions of them there are all over the world. And then they brought him his birthday cake, because it was his birthday, and like his ice cream or whatever at the end of the meal, and there was this Buddha on the platter, and the lady was like, rub his belly for good luck. And Carter goes, but I was like, yes! He was like, they like, lean back, like, no, not happening, false god, ding, ding, ding. I was like, yeah, I'm a good dad. Anyway, train them right. But that's a simple, like, oh my gosh, there really are idols in our culture today. They're not all little golden statues, but they are things that we put before God. Does that make sense? So Joshua's called, I'm going to try to wrap this up. I got another guy to leave. So now fear God. Worship him in total commitment. This isn't afraid of God fear. We'll cover that another day, okay? It's not like, oh my gosh, he's going to strike me dead. It's just like, wow, he could, but he's not going to. But you have a respect for God, Okay. Worship him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors that they worshipped on the other side of the river and in Egypt. You worship God alone. And it says right here, if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, process that. If you decide that it is not good to worship God, he's giving the option. He says to him, he's like, hey, here's your deal. If you decide that it's not cool, it's not fun, you might have to give up something. If you aren't into the whole worship God thing, okay, 
then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. This was Joshua's command. If you don't think God is worthy to be followed and worshipped and adored the way that we, I mean, we try to give you the opportunity in the youth group, worship God. Tell them how great he is. If you don't think you're into it, choose who you're going to serve and go. Do it. But don't be like, oh, half you, half you. Because it doesn't represent God well if you're just kind of like, maybe. You know, like 90-some percent of America would say, no, I'm a Christian or something like that. But do they worship God? And this isn't like, shame, guys. Please don't receive that. But I'm inspired, challenging you to what it is that God has called you to. It's like, is God worth worshiping? You all listed testimonies of the great things he's done. So is he worthy of your worship? Or is it like, ah, thanks, God. Peace, get out of my way. America's doing that. All over the place. As a country, we're doing that. Prayer out of schools. Ten commandments off the walls. All these things about God and our history and the things that have built our country and made it wonderfully great because people honor and respect one another built on the premises of God's word. People are going, God, we don't want you here. Interesting how school shootings increase when you tell God he's not allowed to protect. Right? Does that ever cross your mind? Like, we say, God, get out of the schools. And then we go, oh, no, the school's so bad. No, we don't take God anyway. Okay? Anyway. Okay? Anyway. It says, do it today. Choose today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't be like, oh, maybe I'll decide. It says, choose one of the gods your ancestors worship, worshipped in the country beyond the river, or one of the gods of the Amorites, or those whose land you're now living. Go ahead. Choose one. Choose the iPhone, choose the Xbox, choose the PS4, choose the, the car you're going to drive, the boyfriend or girlfriend you really want. Anything you choose, do it, but do it today. And it says right here, Caleb goes to the, all the leaders of all of Israel. He says, but for me and for my family, you've heard this verse before, right? We will serve the Lord only. Doesn't mean we never have a phone. I'm not like this. Like, I'm not saying that. But where is it in your in your place of worship, in your heart and in your life and in your time and in your affection? What are you giving yourself to? As for me and my house, Carter, that's a false god. We don't. We will serve our God only. If it offends the poor little waitress who thinks Buddha is the bomb. I'm sorry, we're not going to be like, no, you're evil, go to hell. Like, that's not, I didn't teach him that either, but he was definitely like, yeah, his spirit knew that's not my God. And I'm not even going to entertain anything else. Does that make sense? Last little part, the people answered, we would never forsake God, never. We would never leave God to worship other gods. God is our God. He brought us up uh, and our ancestors out of Egypt and from the slave conditions, he did all those great signs while we watched. He has kept his eye on us all along the roads we've traveled and among the nations we've passed through. Just for us, he drove out all the nations, Amorites and all, and, and or who lived in the land. Count us in. We too are going to worship God. He is our God alone. The leaders of Israel said, yeah, get the message, Joshua. We're on board. You lead us. 
for me, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. What are you going to do? And that's my challenge to you guys. As whatever point your heart is going, I need to adjust things, okay? Then say, God, I'm ready to adjust things. Don't be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe. Choose this day who you will serve. Whether the gods of this world or the God of heaven who is above all, through all, more powerful, an amazing Father who loves you like crazy. Stand up with the girls. Come down on the floor. Everybody come down on the floor. Anybody down with adjusting anything in their life? Anybody? Is this speaking anybody's language? Or like, no, I'm already perfectly worshiping God in every way. Okay? I'm going to stand like this, and I'm going to say, anybody in this room who wants to make adjustments in their life and worship God today, me and my family, me and my household, you can speak for your whole household even if they hate Jesus. Say, so you know what? I'm going to set the tone in my house. I'm not going to let the enemy rule and reign and destroy our house and bring up fights all the time and meanness and brutality and whatever else that comes out of that. I'm going to change the environment of my house. As for me and my house, we're going to worship God. Okay? So if you're up for an adjustment in your life, we're going to just take a big step forward on three. Okay? You don't have to. It's not just like, oh, everybody else is. No. If something in your heart is like, okay, I, I don't know that I'll be perfect tomorrow, but heck, I really want to move toward God because... Life is terrible when he's out of my life. Make sense? So we step closer. We say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Big army. It's like all this, like all millions of people. Okay? I got this jump because God is cool. Anyway. I did this jump. Anyway. <laughs> Here's the deal. Last thing that I'm going to say. Put your hands up in the air. Joshua pronounced this thing, and he said, choose this day who you will serve. What day is he talking about? Today. And tomorrow, what would his question be to you? Nope. What would his question? Choose this day who you will serve. When you wake up tomorrow, I hope you hear my booming voice. First thing, I know you're like, get off my head. No, I'm there. When you wake up, your eyes cracked open in the morning, choose this day who you will serve, right? Dad, get away. Anyway, I hope you hear my voice tomorrow morning when you wake up. And the next day, and the next day, you can change it, like Syrian or whatever, like turn a guy or girl, whatever. Okay, if you want Lynn's voice, take it. Whitney, Dylan, Ryan, like whoever. Okay? But not the person you have a crush on. That'll mess you up. Okay, all right. I said it, didn't I? Don't make it that voice. I know some of you were thinking, I know whose voice it's going to be. <laughs> anyway, I know I said that, didn't I? She was like, Anyway, <laughs> arms are shot. Come on, work out. Sweat it out. Anyway, so who will you choose tomorrow to serve? Ask you that as I can. All right. Who will you choose today to serve? Who will you choose tomorrow to serve? Yeah, both are the same. Okay, God, Jesus, it all works, right? What about the next day? I hope you hear this voice. Choose this day who you will serve. 
God, we thank you that we get to choose you. And you made us that way with the freedom to choose you or to not choose you. But you love us and you chase after us and you desire us. And when we place our hearts in alignment with you and say, we will serve the Lord, we watch with expectation as you pour out Christmas presents in our life. I mean that. It might not look like, oh, yeah, this dance box is playful. It might be. You don't think that God can blow your mind with blessing? You can put your hands down. Amen. I know. It's like, oh, my gosh. I know. I've held it for longer. You can, oh, yeah. That's crazy. I couldn't. Anyway. Dude, God is so into raising hands. Do you know that? Last story, I swear we'll be done. You don't have to hold your hands up. Remember, was it Moses? Right? I think it was Moses stood on a mountaintop. They were in battle. And God said, as long as Moses holds his hands up, you'll win the battle. So Moses stood on a mountain above the battlefield. I went like this. This is a war. Like, it's not just like five minutes, boom, everybody's dead, okay? It's like an epic war about tens of thousands of troops. And Moses starts getting tired. And he goes, ah, oh, And all the Israelites start getting discouraged. He goes, ugh. You know, you can imagine after eight, ten hours, this is not just, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh my gosh, more than ten minutes? Yes. Eight or ten hours of this? So what happens? You know the story? Aaron and her is a he. I don't know why. H-U-R-R, right? Her, come and stand next to him. And what do they do? They hold his arms up because they understand the command of God, and they say, we're going to obey God. And God's cool about teamwork and doing this thing together. He doesn't want you to stand up by yourself and be like, oh, God, I'm so tiring. He wants people to come around you, grab your arms and say, hold them up. You're going to win. Okay? So when we say, like, put your arms up in worship, it's not just like, ooh, be robots. Like, it's, it's literally, it's this, it's this reflection or, like, physical manifestation toward God that you're just like, God, I give it all to you. Take victory in my life. As long as my hands are up, I'm winning. It's a really good position to be. Right? Anyway. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.